You're listening to Matt Walsh On Demand. Welcome, welcome to the Matt Walsh Podcast, the Matt Walsh Show. I'm promoting it. It's the, it's the show now. It's the Matt Walsh Show, not the Matt Walsh Podcast, the Matt Walsh Show. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you, thank you for listening. I apologize ahead of time because I might sound, I might sound disgu- more disgusting than usual. And I'm, in fact, I look more disgusting than usual, if you can believe it, because I'm, I've got the sickness thing going on. Well, there's a sickness going through the house. Um, I've got a head cold thing, and my wife's got a stomach bug thing, and my kids had a stomach bug thing. And we're just always sick. I, I, I mean, I used to be a relatively healthy individual. And then I had kids, and now it's just they're the, these disease-ridden creatures. They are. And they, they just bring disease into the home constantly. Uh, and so now we're, we're just saying it's, it's been a tough winter with the sickness. Um, and, and I use essential oils, Matt. Why don't you use essential oils? I've heard that so many times in the last in the last few days about using essential oils. And I got into a thing yesterday with somebody. They were telling me, use essential oils. You'll never get sick. I used essential oils uh, and I haven't been sick in 65 years. I'm only I'm only 27, but I haven't been sick in 65, if you can believe it. And, you know, the thing is, I. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I don't have time to, I don't have time to care about everything and to learn about everything. I, sometimes I hear something and I'm just like, yeah, that's, I don't know. It doesn't sound like it makes sense, but I'm not, I'm just not going to re- well, you haven't done your research. Yeah, I know. I'm just, but I'm not going to, because I can't, I can't care about everything. I can't know about everything. And neither can you, did you, none of us can, none of us can know and care about everything, but we, we feel like now we have to have an answer to all things. We have an answer for everything, including, including medically. Um, so people claim that you know, essential oils are essentially the cure for the common cold. And, and I got into this thing yesterday with somebody. They were telling me about essential oils. And uh, for, all I know, for all I know, they are. They're, they're, for all I know, they're, they're, uh, the, the, you know, they can cure cancer and AIDS and everything. But she was telling me, well, for, for, she told me two things. Uh, she said that uh, people have been using essential oils since the ancient Egyptians, the ancient Egyptians used essential oils. And so I had to stop her there. And I said, well, that's, that's a bad reason um, that maybe the ancient Egyptians did, but do you know what else they did? They stuffed dead mice in their mouth to cure toothaches among other things. So telling me about their medical remedies, not impressive. And then she also told me, well, uh, the oils are better than chemicals. It's better than putting chemicals in your body. And I thought, you know, not a chemist, but I'm pretty sure that the oils are also chemicals, aren't they? We get this. We have this thing about you don't want to put chemicals in your body. You're putting chemicals in your body all the time. I mean, your body is made up of chemicals. There's chemicals in everything. Now, I admit I failed chemistry twice, but even I know that. That's just very basic. And I'm pretty sure that the oils are, there are chemicals in the oils, aren't they? They're not, right? I assume. Anyway, uh, my strategy for not getting sick is just to uh, get sick and then just to suffer through it and not be sick anymore. That's my whole thing. That's my strategy. And I got to tell you, there's nothing worse than because my wife's got the stomach bug now, and I'm sure that I'll get it next. And so what I did yesterday is I went out um, last night. I, I, I uh, got Mexican food and I ate a chimichanga and some nachos and I just picked out which you might think, well, that, that's, a, that's a bad idea. But I figure I might as well have it now while, while there's still time. And then I'll give my stomach something to do once it gets sick. You know, and my, my stomach will appreciate that. But 
it's really horrible to get sick after my wife. You know, if I'm going to get sick, I'd rather be the only one who gets it. Because when my wife gets it and then she carries it a certain way and she's sort of, uh, I'm not feeling well, uh, feeling well, I have to, I have to lie down, I'm not feeling well. And then I get the exact same thing and it's, <laughs> I don't feel well. I don't feel well. Come rub my tummy. You know, that's me and it's the exact same sickness. And um, it's just, it's bad news. These and other uh, insufferable complaints will will be included in this week's podcast. Now, you know what? I, I want to jump right into, uh, after wasting time for eight minutes, I want to jump right into it. Um, the, you may have seen this floating around online, and, and, and maybe you even saw it and you sort of skimmed past it because you thought, well, and that's, uh, you know, that's just a funny little parody. It's a satire, when in fact it isn't. Um, Wesleyan uh, University has well they've they've got you know fraternities and sororities and everything and apparently according to the university's website i don't know who's the first person who saw this and decided to spread it on social media but i'm I'm glad they did so they've got a fraternity called open house and it is a it is a, a a fraternity for people who are lgbttqqfagpdsm did you get that so not LGBTQ, we're used to that. I mean, it used to just be, I guess, LG, and then it was LGB, and then LGBTQ. Uh, but not just that, it's LGBTQQFAGPBDSF. So it's sort of like bang your head against the keyboard, which is what you want to do after you hear this kind of thing, and that's what it is. It's a community of that. Um, it's a safe place, and I'm looking at the Wesleyan uh, EDU website, and Open House is a safe place, a fraternity for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, transsexual, queer, questioning, flexual, flexual, okay, F-L-E-X-U-A-L, asexual, gender F, now this is one word, and it's gender, and then the F word, it's one word, gender F, gender F, polyamorous, bondage, disciple, dominance, submission, sadism, masochism. And it's a, according to the website, it's a community for people of sexually or gender dissident uh, uh, communities, a community for people of communities. And the goals of Open House include generating interest in a celebration of queer life from the social to the political to the academic. Open House works to create a Wesleyan community that appreciates the variety and vivacity of gender, sex, and sexuality. And then there's a thing, uh, there's, a, there's a, a disclaimer at the bottom of this page, lead paint disclosure, letting you know that there might be lead paint, so don't eat the paint chips if you happen to be at the LGBTQQFAGPB uh, DSM house. So we have here, um, so we have here 15 categories of people. 15 different identities, and that's just the tip of the iceberg because it also includes that little note about, uh, you know, other gender dissident communities. So this is just, these are just the basic 15, which includes things like flexual and gender F. Now, I'll admit to you that I didn't look up the term gender F because I had no idea what I would find. I didn't want to look up gender F and then my, my wife walks into the room and sees that up there and I have to explain that one. 
Um, I did look up flexual, and I'll tell you this, gender F, I didn't look it up, but I'm willing to, and I, and I will say this, um, in my ignorance of it, I will declare that whatever it is, it's nonsense. Whatever it is, it's utter and complete nonsense. So I, yes, I will right now disqualify the entire category. Anyone who claims their gender F as if that's a legitimate identity, I will say right now they're wrong without even knowing what it is. Can you believe it? Without even knowing what it is, I will say, well, that's nonsense. For the same reason that if you came up to me and said, you know what, I'm part of the baggly bloody 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 community, uh, I would say, well, that's not that's not a thing. That's nonsense. That's just that's literally you ju- you're just you're having a seizure right now, and you're that's that's just gobbledygook is what that is. That that's not a real community. I, I don't have to look up baggly bloody bloody because I know that it's not a real thing because I'm a rational human being, and it's okay to just go through life as a rational person and come to rational conclusions quickly sometimes. Sometimes you can come to quick, rational conclusions. And rational people, they hear LGBTQFAGPBDSM and they think, that is nonsense. And this is what political correctness is really all about. More than anything else, political correctness isn't so much, well, let's protect people's feelings. It's, let's stop you from being rational. Political correctness is about you're not allowed to be rational. You can't come to common sense conclusions because it might offend someone. So political correctness is about you abandoning, abandoning the logical faculties in your brain. Now, I did look up flexual, and from what I could... (laughs) Flexual. I mean, what? That's not a... It's not a thing. I'm sorry. It's just, it doesn't count. You can't be that. You just can't. You you can't just make up new things all the time and say, well, this is a type of person now. Because it's not. And it doesn't matter to see you you could cry about it and be offended and say, Oh, Matt said this, let's let's boycott him and let's uh, whatever, let's try to get him fired. You it doesn't matter. You you could do all that. And this is the great thing about what I do for a living. This is the great thing is that I'm there's not a lot you can do to me because all I do for a living is I give my opinions online. So no matter what you do, I can still do that. So I have no problem saying flexual is nonsense. It's not a thing. But I did look up flexual and uh, a flexual person, <laughs> I can't even get it out. A flexual person is someone who is attracted to, get this, two or more genders. All right. So if you're attracted to two or more genders, you're flexual. Um so if you're attracted to, say, boys and girls and unicorns or boys and girls and, uh, and uh, uh, space aliens from the, the planet Zebula, then, then you're, you're flexual, I guess. Uh, I, I guess is how it works. And, of course, they've also tossed in dominance and submission as if these are identities for people. You, know, you like to dominate somebody sexually, and all of a sudden, that is your very identity. It's who you are. It's, it is your community. It's just, it's, and it's easy for us to laugh about, and sometimes, sometimes you have to. And the devil cannot stand to be mocked, and sometimes you have to mock him. And that's not to say that someone who identifies themselves as flexual is the devil, uh, but it, this sort of thing comes from, it's evil. It, 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 is, it is confusion at its very core. It comes from a very dark and evil place. And you see how progressivism has become, modern progressivism has become um, entirely detached 
from anything. It's just spinning through space at 16,000 miles an hour. It's like Sandra Bullock in Gravity, the beginning of Gravity, where she's out on the spacewalk, and then there's the, you know, the space debris comes, and she becomes untethered from the, from, the, uh, from the space station, and she just starts hurtling through space, screaming into the silence, and George Clooney is there. That's progressivism. That's modern progressivism. Just hurtling into time and space, disconnected from everything, utterly confused, out in the blackness, out in the darkness. That's modern progressivism. And that's why you can't say that progressivism is, you know, you can't simply call it Marxism or equate it to socialism or even nihilism. It's, it's a combination of these, among other things. But the problem is that these, Marxism, socialism, nihilism, these individually are relatively fully formed ideological systems. Um, not completely formed, of course. And still fatally flawed, deeply perverted, uh, very problematic to say the least. They, they reject the truth, the full truth, the one truth. They reject it. But they, they've still formed something that resembles a consistent thought process. These other isms and ists. You know, they, 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 they have something that resembles a consistent view of the world that can be basically applied and then you can live by it and if you try to live by it horrible things will happen but but still you can do it modern progressivism though rejects all thought and all consistency and all science and all morality it rejects everything it is simply rejection that's all it really is and you see here that it's become entirely obsessed with the self and self-acceptance. Now, I want to explain what I mean by that. Because looked at one way, um, of course, individuality is very important. And looked at in that particular way, individuality is important and progressivism, in fact, seeks to destroy that form of individuality. So let, let me explain what I mean because this is, you know, we can look at the LGBTQ, XYZ, uh, 9745 houses, and we can laugh about it and say, well, this is absurd. This is crazy. It just it makes no sense. I mean, these people are, 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 are just completely have lost their marbles. We can say that, but we should, I think it's time we really dive into it. Um, not, you know, we probably don't, I wouldn't dive into the house itself. I would stay away from it, but especially with everyone eating lead, lead, lead paint, which probably explains a few things. But we should dive into this ideology, if you can call it that, and really try to understand where this comes from. You know, how is it that anyone could look at LGBTQQFAGPBDSM and not laugh at it? That's why I feel okay laughing at it, because that is the natural and correct reaction. It's absurd. It is inherently absurd and human beings who are rational look at absurd things, and the first thing you do is you laugh. That, that's, that's the definition of humor, really, is absurdity, isn't it? So we can do that as our first reaction, but then we have to, we have to circle back around and say, well, how? Why? And, and how is this happening? Why is this happening? And I think it all has all, all to do with this obsession with self and, and self-acceptance, which is, 
whatever it is about you, whatever you want to do, whatever you like, whatever you enjoy, you should automatically accept it, not challenge it, and not strive for anything better, ever. Particularly in the realm of sexuality. And all, all of these things, you know, when it comes to, to progressives, everything, I mean everything, has to be seen through the, through the lens of sex. Because everything in the end comes back to sex. Everything comes back to sex. And not, se- not, not sex fully, you know, not the full experience of human sexuality, which is this pure and beautiful, life-giving, procreative, uh, fulfilling thing. Not, not that, you know, sex that is in the context of marriage, sex that is open uh, to life, not that. That's not the kind of sexuality, but the, but the pure physical experience of sex. The physical sensation of, um, of sex. So for progressivism, everything comes back to that physical sensation of sex. And everything is about protecting their right to experience that physical sens- sensation in whatever way they want, with whoever they want, whenever they want. And to not just have the right to do it legally, but really to have the right to do it morally. You know, it's all about rationalizing and saying, uh, not only can I legally do this, because most of us would, I, would agree that m- with most of that stuff, yeah, you, I mean, legally you can call yourself flexible, fine. But um, they want the right to do it and be celebrated for it. So with self and self-acceptance, from the progressive worldview, the self is the highest form of existence in the universe, is the self. And when I say the self, I mean myself, myself specifically. My, me, me, I am, if I'm a progressive, I'm saying I am the highest form of existence in the universe. Nothing is beyond me. Whatever I want to do is automatically elevated to this status of something that should be, that should be worshipped and celebrated because it's me. And this is how progressives, you know, this is how they justify Uh, many things, particularly abortion. We say, well, there's nothing higher in the universe than me. There is nothing that even equals me. There is nothing that comes close to me. Whatever I want is automatically okay. And anything that gets in the way of what I want is automatically evil, even if that thing is my own child. But that child is a form of existence, I wouldn't deny it, but not a form of existence that equals me. So me, the self, I am the highest form of existence. And that means, of course, that everything about me should be accepted. And whatever I think, whatever I feel, all of it is automatically good. And so from this, from this perch, from this perch of being the, the, the highest form of existence in the universe, which is what, all, what, what every progressive feels, as the highest form of existence... Uh, not only are all of my inclinations and compulsions good and pure, but I can, from this, from this elevated status, I can invent entire new identities of people. I can invent them. I, 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 I am God. I can invent types of people. And if I find other people that, that act the same way as I do or feel the same way or have the same inclinations, all of a sudden we have a, we have a community. We have a new community. So I can craft a whole, you know, questioning. 
questioning is one of the isn't that the that's the Q in the LGBTQ uh, VBNMKL whatever the Q is questioning. So so they they before we get into all the other letters, for a long time now they've they've created a community out of people who are questioning. How is that a type of person? How is that an identity? There's no basis for an actual meaningful community. And I don't want to get too off into the weeds here, but this is something that you find not just in the realm of sexuality, but in many other realms. Community is one of those words that is horribly abused in our society, along with many of the words. Because in our, in our culture, we don't know many words. You know, there are a lot of words available to us. I would say there are what? I mean, there are literally like dozens of words out there that we could use, right, to describe things. But, but we're very limited. So there are like seven or eight different words that we'll use generally. And so we, we come to community all the time. And, we, and it's not just with uh, questioning and lesbian, gay, and you know, making that into a community. But another, another example of this phenomenon is, um, or phenomena, I, I don't know. I don't know a lot of words either. I don't know all them fancy words. You know, but another example of this that you see online quite a bit, um, you'll hear people, you'll hear people refer to the gamer community. Um, So men and women who like to play video games are now are now part of a community. They're in a community of people that enjoy video games. It's a community. You see, take pretty much any interest that a person might have, and then you can attach the word community next to it and look it up on Google and you will find entire, you know, forums and websites dedicated to this community of people who happen to, I mean, whatever, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I like to, uh, I, I like to eat Pringles. I, I am a, I am a fan of the, the Pringle chips and not, not flavored Pringles. I'm going to be very clear about that. And people that, that are part of the Pringle community, we all feel very strong. Well, this is a dispute among us in the, the Pringle community that's caused a great schism. It was the great Pringle schism of 1997 where the two, where the two sides split and, the, uh, and the, the barbecue sour cream Pringle folks on one side, the regular, traditional, old-fashioned Pringles on the other. And it's been a very violent dispute at, at times, very violent. But I, I, so I do enjoy Pringles. And, and I've, you know, once you pop, the fun can't stop. I, I have found that to be the case, that indeed, once you pop, the fun really cannot stop. Um, but the, the fact that I like Pringles, does that make me part of a community? Is there actually a community of Pringle eaters out there? Because if there are communities of people who like to play video games and communities of people who, uh, you know, like to wear leather and beat each other up and call it sex. If that's a community, then I guess this is a community. In fact, right now, I'm, I'm sitting at a desk. I'm part of the desk-sitting community of people that use desks. I can just look around my desk. I've got, I've got Aquafina water. I'm part of the Aquafina community. I live in a single-family home. I'm part of the... No, I'm not part of my actual community here. I'm part of the single-family home community, just people that live in single-family homes. I'm six foot one. Well, six foot and a half, but I, I call it six foot one. I'm part of the six foot one community. I have brown hair. I'm part of the brown hair community. I have dry skin. I'm part of the dry skin community. I have lower back problems. I'm part of the lower back problem community, right? I mean, everything's a freaking community now. But if you look up the definition of the word, uh, you find the first definition is a social group of any size 
whose members reside in a specific locality, share a government, and often have a common cultural and historical heritage. A common cultural and historical heritage. So what is the shared heritage? The shared cultural experience that you'll have just because you, you both like to play video games or just because you, you both like to eat Pringles or just because you, you both uh, are into uh, sadomasochistic sex. Now, of course, the difference is that there's nothing inherently disordered or wrong about playing video games or eating Pringles in moderation for both things. But there is something inherently wrong with, sadomas- with sadomasochism. You know, that is, an, in, that is a, a fundamentally disordered activity. And so now you find the misapplication of the word community, there are even more dangers attached to it because now you're, you're putting uh, community not just on a, 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 a shared interest, but a shared destructive interest. But this really goes beyond just how the word community is abused because what, what lies at the bottom of it? You know, what lies at the bottom of this? It's the overemphasis on shared interests. And you find this um, across this, the board. This is something that destroys relationships. Because we find, well, hey, uh, you're part of a community with somebody because you both like to play video games. Then with that attitude, well, now you go out there and you start dating someone and, and you start dating them just because, uh, you know, you both listen to Arcade Fire and shop at Urban Outfitters and you both saw Louis C.K. when he was in Chicago four years ago or whatever. And, and you start dating just because of that, because it's a shared interest, right? And then next thing you know, you get married. And, and you find pretty soon that marriage is a, a, a pretty serious union and all you have tying you together is a, a type of clothing, a band, and a comedian. And that's not enough. It's like trying to tape a two 100-pound weights together with scotch tape. That's not enough to bind you together. There has to be something deeper there. So a shared interest is not enough for a marriage, not enough even for a friendship, for a meaningful one anyway, and it's certainly not enough for, uh, to qualify as a community. And the real trouble is that we think, well, we're part of a community with this person because we have a shared interest, and then we take to the next step. We take it, we take it up to the next step, and it's sort of this, this uh, democracy of morality where we think, well, all these people have the same interest, so I guess there's nothing wrong with it. This is where the internet comes into play. This is the problem with the internet is that, you know, it, it, it used to be before the internet that um, if you were uh, someone who would we now consider flexual or you were someone that really had a desire to wear leather and, uh, and uh, put a ball gag in someone else's mouth and, and whip them on the backside and, and, you know, if you were someone that found that to be a sexually appealing experience – then you would recognize that in yourself and you would think, well, there's something wrong with this. You know, I shouldn't be attracted to that. There's something wrong with it. You know, I should not equate violence with sex. I should not be attracted to, to more than two genders, particularly because, because there aren't more than two genders. Um, so it used to be 20, 30 years ago and beyond, maybe you would have that inclination, that compulsion, and you would recognize it as disordered and wrong and immoral uh, at least immoral to act upon, certainly. And so you would go, you would go and seek help, you know, or you would, or you would pray, or you would do whatever. But you would, you would suppress it. And I know the idea of suppressing a sexual compulsion nowadays is just—it seems very vulgar. You know, why, why would you ever compress a sexual compulsion? Why would you ever do that? 
Well, it's only in the last 20 years that we, that we started to be confused about why you would ever s- suppress a sexual compulsion because there are plenty of times when you would want to, right? But now, now whatever crazy thing you're into, you just go online, you Google it, and you find that there are, there, there are hundreds of other people out there that are into the same crazy weird thing. And all of a sudden you think, well, all these people are into it, so I guess it's not so bad. And not only is it not so bad, but it's actually a community. And because it's a community, it should actually be celebrated. So you go from... Well, this is something disordered. I should seek help too. Let's celebrate it. It's a community, everybody. I was reading yesterday that there are now online communities of women who are anorexic. Now, that would be okay if these were support groups, essentially, of women who struggle with anorexia coming together and supporting each other to get past this and to live a healthy lifestyle, right? That, that would be great for, uh, for and, and that exists, of course, for women that have eating disorders or a struggle in this way, that, that, they, they, that they will go and talk to other women who, who have struggled this, particularly women who have struggled through it and gotten past it. Um, but no, that's not, so that exists. But there's also the opposite of that now, where you, you have women who, who have learned to uh, accept and celebrate their anorexia, and they get together and they encourage each other not to eat. And they post pictures of themselves with their exposed ribs looking emaciated. And, and they, they, they post pictures and they get thumbs up and likes and they get, uh, you know, hey, a girl, way to go. And so now it's a community of anorexic people that because, hey, you're anorexic, I'm anorexic, let's celebrate it. It's okay. It's a lifestyle choice. And you know what? You know what? All they're doing is they're taking, they're, they're just applying the principle here. Who are we to judge? Who are we to judge, right? They're not hurting anyone. They're just hurting themselves. Who are we to judge? Oh, but they are hurting other people, aren't they? Turns out. It turns out when you take this unhealthy, disordered compulsion, which is what an eating disorder is, right? That's what we call a disorder. And when you take it and you, you advertise it and you celebrate it and you go out and you, you tell other people that struggle with the same compulsion, you say, oh, there's nothing wrong with it. Well, in fact, you are hurting other people. You're hurting yourself, which is bad enough. And in fact, the fact that you're hurting yourself is enough for me to say, well, it's immoral. You know, it's immoral for us to destroy ourselves. But it even goes beyond that. You are hurting other people. So look, bringing back to the subject at hand, it all boils down to their idea of self, which is fatally flawed, their idea of identity, fatally flawed, their idea of community, and they're all intertwined. And they create this thing called modern progressivism. And this thing, this abomination, leads to this uh, Wesleyan community where, where people who are confused. In fact, it's right there questioning. I mean, they're confused. They're looking for answers. They're looking for truth. And they're all brought into a house together and said, Hey, this is who you are. Accept it. But many of them are shouting out saying, I don't know who I am. That's the point. So who I am is someone who doesn't know who I am. No, I, I, am str- I am struggling to know who I am. And you're telling me that's who I am. It doesn't make sense. Progressivism has no ideal. Okay. 
They have no sort of concept of what it takes to be a good person. Now, they have certain beliefs and behaviors that they've ruled out. Okay, they, they've, they've, uh, they would certainly say, well, you shouldn't be a Christian. But they themselves, you know, when it comes to the question of, well, what is a person? What's the point? Why are we here? Where are we going? What is goodness? What is virtue? What does a virtuous person look like? What do they do? What is fulfillment? What is happiness? What is joy? What is, what is anything? You know, when it comes to those questions, they have no answer. And our true identities, you know, I'm criticizing the progressive view of identity, which is, you know, whatever your compulsion is, whatever you like to do, particularly sexually, well, that's your identity. That is who you are fundamentally. That is who you are. That's their idea. And it's easy for me to criticize that. Well, okay, uh, what is identity then? I think that our identities are found in relation to those questions I just asked. In other words, our true identities should reach up. You know, they reach up. They reach to something greater. So I could say, I like Pringles. Uh, I am a sinner. Those two things aren't necessarily related. But I, I can be weak. I can be lazy. There are a lot of bad things about me. But should I accept that? Is that my identity? Is that why I'm put on this earth? Is that the point of it all? No. These are things that are clouding my identity, things that I should defeat, things that are making me not me, you see. These are things that are destroying me. You know, when, you, when we talk about hell, uh, uh, hell is a, and this is why I really like C.S. Lewis's well, I like everything that C.S. Lewis pretty much ever said about anything, to be honest with you. But um, C.S. Lewis's vision that, that he, he talked about quite a bit, um, particularly in The uh, Great Divorce, which is one of the most incredible things that I've ever read. But particularly in The Great Divorce, I, I really like, well, I don't like, I mean, like's probably not the right word, but his concept of hell is to, it really speaks to me. It, it, it's it probably the first time that I encountered a, an illustration of hell that made sense. Because yeah, you, you have the, the sort of childish illustration of you know the devils with horns and pitchforks and you're literally in fire and there are little demons dancing around. But the way that C.S. Lewis talks about hell, it's this nothingness. It's this, the undoing of the, and which isn't to say that hell doesn't exist. But it's the existence of non-existence. It, it, it's, it's because who you are, you know, your identity is tied to God. That's the point. You know, that's who we are. are. We, we're, we're your children of God. That is who we are. But this sin is a sickness. And when we sin and, and when, when we're weak, like I can be, and when we're cowardly, like I can be, we're, we're taking ourselves away from God. We're taking ourselves away from who we are. And so when you end up in hell, then, then you're totally severed from that identity. And you're just this, this, this non-entity, this nothingness in the abyss, isolated, in torment and pain. That's hell. And, and that's the vision, essentially, of a fulfilling life that progressives have for this earth. They say, sever yourself from God, from, from anything that calls you to be greater, and just accept your compulsion, accept your proclivity, whatever it is, and just indulge in it and dive into it and be that. And it's just nothingness in the end. So true identity, 
what we are, what we are called to be, what we were created to be, children of God, creatures with this incredible capacity for good, creatures really of, 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 of immense power. That's, that's what we all are. That's, that's, that's our identity. So to find our identity, to find who we are, we have to look outward and upward. We're looking out and up. We're looking out beyond ourselves and up to God. Progressivism forces you to look in on yourself. It, it forces you to, to constantly look in on yourself, to just rip your eyeballs out of your head, turn them around and stuff them back into their sockets. And you're just looking in on yourself constantly. Your, your head stuffed up your own rear end, really, is, is what it is. You're a snake eating itself. That's, that's progressivism. Just going around and around and around in circles, devouring yourself until there's nothing left. That's progressivism. It does not look out. It doesn't look up. It doesn't look beyond. It doesn't look for anything that transcends. And that's what you find illustrated in, I think, a profound and disturbing way by this fraternity house. So they're saying to people that claim to be bisexual or transgender or gender F, whatever that is, or polyamorous, or people who are in the bondage, dominance, submission, sadism. Think about that. Sadism. They're including that as, a, as, a, as an identity that should be embraced. Sadism. Sadistic. Sadistic people. A sadist is someone who is, who is sexually pleased by sadistic behavior. And they have included that in the same category, by the way, as gay, lesbian, all... They, they have included that. They've put it all together. And they're saying to these people, oh, you're into sadistic sexual behavior? That's who you are. That's the answer. That's it. That's all there is. But then these sadists, you know what? They, they're not happy, though. As much as they're told, well, that's who you are. You should be happy. They're not, are they? They're not happy. And that's why you find in these communities of sexual deviance, uh, you find a lot of drug abuse, a lot of depression, tragically, a lot of suicide. And we're always told, well, you know, that, that's because they're persecuted by the outside world and blah, blah, blah. No, they're not. They're constantly told to accept themselves by the outside world. But I think the answer is that, they're, that, 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 that deep inside, they're, they're not happy. They're looking for answers. They're constantly told there are no answers. Accept it. And really, when it comes down to it, they, they, at their core, they don't want to accept it. I mean, look at Fifty Shades of Grey, BDSM. I mean, it's just, is there happiness there? Is there joy there? You read that book. I haven't read it, but is there joy and happiness in that book? Is that what you find in that book? Is it a, is it a joyful and happy tale of love? No. So that's, um, that's progressivism. It's a, it's a sad thing, but that's what we're up against. And this is just another, another example of that. All right. Um, my voice, I'm starting to really, I, I, it's, it's difficult for me to speak at this point. So I'm going to wrap this up. And uh, I hope you have a great weekend. Remember, you can find me facebook.com slash Matt Walsh blog and uh, at Matt Walsh blog. I will talk to you next week. Akruche Salus. Godspeed. <laughs>